Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. It's hour one on this Wednesday. Dan and the Danettes. Dan Patrick show. Come on in. Stay a while. Got a lot of topics. The trade deadline is come and gone. We'll assess those who did, those who didn't. Also, we had another no-hitter last night. Framber Valdez of the Astros threw a no-hitter, and he was really, really economical. 93 pitches. Fewest pitches in a no-hitter since David Cohn needed just 88 to no-hit the Expos in 1999. Oh, Darius Rucker. Stat of the day, stat of the day. Here comes the stat of the day. Stat of the day, stat of the day. Here comes the stat of the day. Stat of the Day brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. Got a poll question, play of the day, stat of the day, operator Tyler standing by, phone calls, emails, tweets, all of that. Always welcome. Every day, we say good morning to Peacock, our streaming partner, and also Fox Sports Radio, iHeart Radio, and we are now close to 400 cities in America carrying this program. There's a lot of topics today. I don't know if there's a real headline here today. The Astros did get Justin Verlander from the Mets, so back with the Astros. And yes, the Mets are going to pay part of the freight, just like with Max Scherzer. Here is Max Scherzer on what he thought the plan was with the New York Mets. The team is now uh, kind of shifting vision and and that uh, they're looking to compete uh, now for 2025 and 2026. uh, And that... You know, 2024, there, it was not going to be a reload situation uh, in New York and that it was going to be more of a transition. Um, I said, okay, you know, that's a, you know, brand new, <laughs> brand news to me, um, different than what I'd ever heard out of uh, Steve's mouth. I was like, all right, I got to hear this directly from Steve. So I had a phone call with Steve um, and he basically articulated the same uh, vantage point that that was the new vision for the Mets. Uh, and so once it became the, you know, official, that's the vision for the Mets, um, then I said, yes, I'd, I, I will waive my uh, no-trade clause that, under, underneath those pretenses. Okay. I give the owner credit. He tried. It didn't work. And these were commodities that you would be using in October. The reason why you get Scherzer and Verlander is come playoff time. It's not about the regular season, but the team failed. He tried. They spent a lot of money. It's kind of hard to throw these things together and go, make magic. 
it doesn't happen that easily. I don't care how good you are and how much money you spent. They tried, didn't work, and now you reload. Max Scherzer, okay, you got your answers, and then he decided that he'd be willing to sign off on a deal. Go to the Rangers. All right. That's how it works. Not everybody can be in it and uh, you know keep putting money out there. They spent a lot of money on that roster. Look at the Padres. Still waiting for them to be elite. Now, we saw glimpses of that last year, but this year, they're average. It ha- The Yankees, average. Now, what do you do this next year? That's the key. Do the Mets spend a little bit? They did get you know some minor league prospects here. Doesn't feel like this owner wants to build for the future because billionaires don't like to wait. They don't normally have to wait. They want to buy their way out of something, and it didn't work. But uh, you had some teams involved in the trade deadline. The Yankees didn't do anything. I think that surprised a lot of people. And some just standing pat saying, uh, hey, we have the team. I like this philosophy with the Yankees. They didn't do anything. Yeah, we're fine with who we have. Okay, good luck with that. I don't know if it's worked the last couple of years where you go, yeah, we're fine. We're going to stand pat here. All right, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. I guess we uh, found out the uh, Pac-12, their TV partner, looks like it's going to be Apple TV. Now, it just looks like it's going to be Apple TV. What was it last week where the commissioner of the Pac-12 talked about, hey, I, we know where we're going to you know, have our games played. We know who's going to be our TV partner. But we're not choosing to tell you that now. We want this to be about football. And I went, I don't think he has a TV partner right now. That felt like it was still negotiations or whatever it might be. Because if I am Apple TV or any streaming partner, or any potential TV partner, first thing I'm saying is, who's going to be in the Pac-12, first of all? Uh, do you know? And the commissioner doesn't know. Because if Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah go... Let's just go to the Big 12. Then the Pac-12 is going to be, you know, the artist formerly known as. You'll have six schools. And then what happens after that? You're going to have Oregon and you're going to have Washington that the Big 10 will probably take a look at. And then what are you going to have after that? I mean, it's just been a mess. But they're not even the Pac-10. They'd be back to the Pac-8. Yeah, Seton. Doesn't it seem like a place like Apple doesn't really care, though? Well, but they should care that, can we find it? College football is about how convenient it is. You're flipping through and you're like, but if you said, hey, to get that game, you got to go there and then do this. And and, and is it going to be a marquee game? If it's a great game, then you'll find it. But if I say, hey, you know, Oregon State is playing Stanford. Well, if I'm flipping through the channels late at night and I'll go, all right, I'm going to watch this. You got to make me make it easy for me to find that. It's like Thursday night football. Well, people had a hard time finding where Thursday night football was. Or I got to do this and a you know HDMI. What am I doing here? <laughs> HDMI. <laughs> yeah, but it feels like Apple though. Like they just can throw money at things. Like they've they've decided as a business we want to get into sports. Just start buying stuff up, and but, then we'll figure out how it works. But if I'm going to invest in the Pac-12. Granted, I may have all the money in the world, but what kind of product am I getting? I mean, you're going to get it on the cheap, but then what is going? What's the Pac-12 going to look like in two or three years? Will there be a Pac-12? 
I just, I think we're on the precipice of the potential collapse of the Pac-12. I think it's, I think we're, we got an amber alert here going on. And it started with UCLA and USC. You let them go to the Big Ten. Uh, but I, I have to believe Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah could be on the cusp of saying, what are, you, what are we staying around here for? And then what's Stanford and Cal do? Because, you know, that's higher learning, you know, it's, that's education first. Are they going to stay? They go independent. Does Stanford go independent? I don't know. You know, they didn't bring in San Diego State, uh, SMU. Those are still potential uh, schools to bring in. But, man, it happened quickly. Yeah, the game of musical chairs in college football. Yeah, Seaton. It feels like not only conferences, but individual schools are finding out what their real value is uh, in the yeah. sort of grand scheme of things where it's like, no, 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 we're a big program, right? And it turns out maybe not. Apparently, there was a call last year from the Big 12 to the Pac-12 to say, hey, the commissioners, could we talk about maybe a merger here? And then, according to Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports, the uh, Pac-12 commissioner uh, said no. Weren't, they weren't interested in a merger. And then fast forward to this year, uh, reportedly the commissioner reached out to the Big 12 commissioner, Bob Bowlesby, and went, uh, hey, what about that merger? And then the Big 12 went, nah, not interested. Yeah, Paulie. It does feel like the Pac-12 is is a great conference for all sports. You know, like swimming and volleyball and all these great West Coast sports that are great. But I don't know if they put enough focus on football as the alpha dog of the conference. When the other conferences do it, um, you know, ex- almost exclusively, we're gonna win football. We're football. You know, the SEC has become a good basketball conference as well. But that's the trickle down from football. Uh, all these big time football conferences, they they lead with football, and then everything else comes in. But I think the ACC, you know, they signed a bad TV deal. They got 12 years, 12-year deal. And the SEC schools and the Big Ten schools are making money off, more money off their TV deals. What's going to happen with the ACC? Do they expand? I, I, I think we're really right on the ledge of college football changing. And who would have thought that these would be week-to-week decisions? Not year-to-year. It's now week-to-week going, wait, who's staying? Who's going? Wait, Colorado's going to... Back to the Big 12, okay. Texas and Oklahoma, when that started it too when they decided they were going to check out from the Big 12, and then we thought, oh my God, Big 12's in trouble here. Well, the Big 12, you got to give them credit. They've held it together. They, you do lose your marquee schools in Texas and Oklahoma, but we'll talk some college football a little bit later on about the uh, Pac-12, and is it on the verge of collapsing? Because it certainly feels that way. Poll question today, what do we have, Seton O'Connor? Uh, I'm workshopping one right now about the state of college athletics, but mm. we're going to skip that for okay. now. Right. Uh, throwing a no-hitter in baseball is incredible or nice? <laughs> um, well, first of all, you don't have pitchers who get to stay in the game and actually go nine innings. Uh, now, you know, Framber Valdez throws 93 pitches. I'm going to keep you in, even if you have the analytic uh, analytics department going, you know, his, uh, his pitch count here. You know he's on a pitch count. Um, so I think because of that, I'm surprised we don't have more no-hitters from the standpoint of it's a swing-and-miss league. Not You're not even putting it in play to you know maybe get a little blooper in there, go the other way, hit and run. It, it just doesn't happen. And you could get a couple of hits in a game almost accidentally like that. 
But now it's a swing and miss, and everybody throws really, really hard. I'm surprised we don't have more. But is it a big deal? Yeah, it's always been a big deal. But I grew up when you had guys who were Sandy Koufax and Nolan Ryan. These guys were throwing no-hitters. And it it was special. Uh, And then you you would have the perfect game. But uh, there was only one base runner, and that was due to a walk last night. But uh, uh, Framber Valdez, that's about as good as you can get in a no-hitter. Uh, my problem is the combined no-hitter, when teams have a combined no-hitter. Because it used to be there there would be just a name, you know, that, that guy threw a no-hitter. Now it's five guys in a combined <laughs> no-hitter. It's, it's hard to really celebrate that way when a guy comes in for one inning and doesn't give up a hit, and then that's, you know, the ninth inning. Like, yeah, you did it. I threw one inning. It's the other guy who threw five or six. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, can you have a combined four home run game? If Shohei hits three home runs <laughs> and then the, the, the second baseman pops one in, did they combine for a four home run game? You're being sarcastic. Lightly sarcastic. Lightly sarcastic you are. Yes, you are. Doesn't yeah. it feel like any complete game in the majors this year is likely going to be a no-hitter because they're that rare? Yes, yeah, Seton. So are, are combined no-hitters not something worthy of being noted? Mm. They are. I, I don't have a problem with it, because to me, it's if the word combined is before it, then it's obviously not as special as just a no-hitter. I know, but they're still on the no-hit page of the, of the uh, record books, because you can't really just celebrate one guy. Like, that one guy did it. Instead of, six guys, we did it. I mean, that's good for team bonding. If there was a combined no-hitter last night, we wouldn't have started the show with it. Um, we wouldn't have even noticed it. We wouldn't even have, It wouldn't even probably have gotten mentioned, maybe unless it was play of the day. Be like, hey, the uh, Orioles had a combined no-hitter last night. Other than that, we wouldn't recognize it at all. I, I think you got to recognize even a combined no-hitter. Begrudgingly. But yeah. I mean, I, would I embrace it? Yeah, but not a long hug. It'd be just a quick pat-pat on the back, and that'd be it. As opposed to a no-hitter, you're like, come here, man. That's awesome. Yeah, Paul. I know it's wordy, but we got to get rid of the phrase no-hitter with combined. Blank-blank mm. uh, blank and three others didn't allow a hit to the Guardians. I know it's awkward, but... Mm. Okay, if you ever went to those... You ever see those things on uh, where you go to a restaurant and they have the, the food contest where you got to eat the 75 things of ice cream? Mm. And then if you win it, you get a free T-shirt? Mm. You can't combine to eat the ice cream. Mm. You can't combine in a mm. food challenge. Mm. Okay. It's akin to that. Right. How many combined no-hitters were there this year? There was one a month ago. I don't know how many this year. Yeah, and did we spend a lot of time on the one a month ago? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Which shows I mean, it's lesser. But did we mention it? I don't know, probably not. A combined no-hitter you do. Probably not. That's Unless it was play of the day, probably not. But that's what I'm saying. It's not a big deal. So It's a big deal to Paul. Well, it sounds like it's becoming a bigger deal to you too. It is now because you're, it's you're not. On my team. It's not as big a deal to you. So now you it's guys a are combining deal. on this yeah. take. Oh! So who actually gets the take? Now it was Paul's, but now it's both of yours. So now it's not really. You a know take what? Anymore. I'm I'm not going to go out to the mound then. I don't. Yeah. I'm going to refuse to. You know, take. <laughs> you guys are combining take on the takes. Slap. Then it's nothing. Yeah. I get to finish the start. It's less special. You're, you're going to finish it. Yeah, you're finishing your uh, your hot take there. What, Todd? It's a footnote in the box score. This one threw five and a third innings. This one pitched two innings. This one pitched a third of an inning. You just say, Wait, I don't care how are wordy you it is. combining with the back row now? It feels like you are with Seton. I'm saying that I don't... You don't, I don't care how wordy it is with combined or not combined. Even if it takes 40 words to explain it. The other team happened to not get any hits against this team on this day. Whatever, however... 
choppy that sounds, the bottom line is that team wasn't able to get any hits against this group of pitchers that was thrown at them. Three, four, five guys that it took. Todd, we were we were just having a little. I know, but I'm just. I mean, I. Just, I just feel strong. I'm not sure it. where Todd stands on this I don't know discussion. Either. I don't really know at all what he just said. <laughs> he balked. I have to be honest you, with you. Uh, you I were think with a combined Seton. No hitter is silly. Wait, you were with Seaton, and now you're with us. He just jumped on your take, so now now you guys got three oh, throwing that same Marvin, lane take. Marvin, do you want to be part of this combined take? Hey, you know what? I don't. Okay, <laughs> that, that's good. That's the right, right answer. DNP. Yes. Coach's decision. Yeah. All right. That was great. Combine no hair. It's nine sixteen. Oh, I know, I know. There are times when I go, uh, we got two hours and forty five more minutes here. He's killing it. Yeah. Usain Bolt and two others combined to break the world record. Well, they do that in the four by one hundred meter relay. There you go. But then they don't let race. Usain Bolt. That'd be great. What if Usain Bolt in a relay was like, I'm not going to hand off the baton. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> I wonder if Usain Bolt, no, he couldn't. He wouldn't be able to beat a country. No, because it's four fast sprinters. Yeah. I know what you're saying, though. Yeah, that'd be great. Like, the guy's got his hand out like that, and Bolt just goes, sorry. Nah. The guy's running to catch him. Would okay. we combine to win a sports Emmy, or is it just you? No, it's me. It it's is. me. <laughs> That's what I thought. No, no, because I am. I can be up for an individual sports Emmy. Yeah, I guess theoretically we all could, but it's not likely. No, it's not. <laughs> but when the show is up for it, that's a combined sports Emmy, mm. and, and I I recognize that. It's wonderful. It'll never happen. Yeah, it's hey. not. It's definitely not happening. No, no, it's not. Okay, if it doesn't happen this year, it'll never happen. Because the sympathy vote of, oh, <laughs> uh, the old man, he's going to be checking mm. out and going to the big radio station in, in the, the sky. sky. <laughs> <laughs> or the year Here. after you retire, they reunite us for the event, open bar. No, no, Emmy. I'm not doing that. You're not attending. No, no, no. I don't want one of those sports Emmys where they go, you know, for uh, you know, career Emmy. Oh, dude, you're going to end up getting a Lifetime Achievement Emmy and we're going to get boxed no, out again. No, I Damn will it. not accept it. Yeah. I will not accept you're gonna it. You're going to get boxed out. <laughs> yes. Unless Melissa Stark is handing there out the go. sports Emmy. <laughs> well, then I'd go. Then you'd go. I would go then. Yeah. yeah. What if you got it in April or May of 2027 in the middle of that last year? So it wasn't the year after where they're doing Lifetime Achievement Award. It's in the last year. Let's take a break here. You we, did that again. We <laughs> come back. <laughs> I, you just sometimes land the plane, Todd. That's all. <laughs> I thought it was a fair question. I know, but... You don't want it in 2028, but in 2027, just, well, there's still a there's few months left. There's nothing wrong with just laying out. Let's go to Brian, and that's what you do. I make this passionate comment. You're like, Frank, <laughs> Rancho Palos Verdes, where do you go? Uh, who got you on stage with Darius Rucker on Friday night? You did that among many other Man, things. Man, that's becoming like the worst thing to ever happen. <laughs> I, just, I actually like to feel like I lost the bet, which has been brought up. This is supposed to be winning the bet opportunity. Do you know, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take a break here. I'll oh, save boy. it because I have to tell you something in private. Don. Is that going to be bad? Um, oh, dear. You'll find out next. Yeah, let's take a break. <laughs> Back after this <laughs> Dan Patrick show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. This is the story of The One. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I was checking with DraftKings. I want to know if they already had prop bets for when the Broncos play the Jets week five. And they do. You can bet on who's going to have more passing touchdowns. Uh, You can bet on passing yards. The Jets, Broncos, the Jets right now, the line is minus one. Jets favored going into Denver. Just in case, Todd, you were curious about your Broncos. I was. Okay. But they're an underdog at home. I see 1913 Jets. I don't know why I feel that way. Well, you know you're not going to get much offense out of your Broncos. We'll get a couple of field goals, and maybe by accident we'll get a touchdown somehow in there. We touch on college football occasionally on this program, and uh, then we leave it to the experts to do the deep dives. Ross Dellinger of uh, Yahoo Sports, their senior writer covering college football. It was a pretty detailed article that Ross has today, and it has to do with the Pac-12, the future of the Pac-12, the Big 12, the ACC. Everybody's involved in this. And uh, Ross joins us on the program. Let's let's kind of uh, state the obvious. Where are we right now with the Pac-12? Well, down to uh, down to nine teams, the uh, the Pac-9, and uh, I think one of those teams, maybe two, and maybe even three of those teams, right, has an invitation to another league, um, the Big Twelve, and those 
three schools uh, have to make a decision, stay in the Pac-12 and accept the TV deal that was presented yesterday, which is from Apple and predominantly streaming, or jump to the Big 12, which which has uh, more of a lucrative probably TV deal with probably better exposure and visibility on Fox and ESPN. So the ball is in the court mostly of, Dan, the Arizona schools, Arizona State and the University of Arizona on, uh, you know, what what they're going to do. Feels like Utah could be in there in the mix as well. If they leave, then what happens to the Pac-12, 10, Pac-8, Pac-6, Pac it in? Yeah, <laughs> they might pack it in. Yeah, if if you lose those three, you'll be down to six teams. And I I kind of think there are probably three options for those six teams. You either reach down and pick two to four Mountain West teams and patch together a league. The problem with that is it's very expensive. Um, in in exit fees alone, uh, Dan, it's thirty four million dollars per team from the Mountain West that they would owe the Mountain West. Uh, so there's a problem with that. Uh, the second the second option would be that, uh, you know, they each kind of these six teams kind of each go their own way. Maybe the door cracks open in the Big Ten or ACC for Washington and Oregon or Cal and Stanford. Maybe Oregon State and Washington State drop down to the Mountain West. It, it makes a little sense there. Uh, and then the third option, I think, is some kind of merger or, or partnership. Um, with those six or seven remaining teams with, say, the ACC. The ACC and the Pac-12 have long discussed some kind of partnership or merger in some way. So there are those possibilities. You brought up that uh, Big 12 reached out to the Pac-12 a year ago and looking at a merger, and the Pac-12 said no. And then Fast forward to right now, the Pac-12 reaching out to the Big 12 saying, hey, what about that merger? Uh, why is the Big 12 not interested in the Pac-12 anymore? Well, and, and, you know, that happened last year. So two years ago when Oklahoma and Texas left the Big 12, Bob Bolsby, the then commissioner of the Big 12, called George Kalafkoff of the Pac-12 and yeah, offered some kind of partnership or merger scheduling alliance, maybe network media rights deal merger. And that was that was two summers ago. And Pac-12 said no. And then last year when USC and UCLA um, announced they were leaving, George Kalavkov called Bob Bowlesby and, and said, hey, how about that deal that I turned <laughs> down? And, and uh, Bob Bowlesby and, and, and Brett Yormark, who was just coming in as commissioner, said, uh, no, thank you. And as someone put it, the conversation was uh, very short. The Big 12 feels settled. Uh, I think last summer they felt settled in their new environment. They got four four new members coming. They arguably have the best basketball conference in the country. Um, they they have a pretty solid brand from top to bottom, Dan. Arguably, you know, they're the, the most uh, uh, kind of equal uh, parity of, of any league in the in the country. Uh, they have they have fun football games to watch. I, I just think they're pretty comfortable in their current condition you know, in current situation, which wasn't the case two years ago, right? Oklahoma and Texas yeah. left, and they were in a full panic. Uh, but now it's a lot different. Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports, senior writer covering college football. What's college football look like in five years? Oh, man, I don't know what college football looks like in five minutes uh, <laughs> from now. It changes so rapidly. I'd, I'd have to say that the biggest thing is the athlete compensation issue. 
right? Uh, NIL has, has come to college athletics and it is just uh, kind of a short-term thing, I, I feel like. It's kind of a temporary thing. One one person in the NIL space, uh, and for those listening, name, image, and likeness, uh, where, where athletes can earn money on endorsements and commercials, but as we turn out, are getting paid by collectives and donors. Uh, I think it's going to evolve into the next phase. And, and somebody in the NIL space said to me, NIL is, is an era, like the steroid era in baseball. There'll be an asterisk next to all the records and all the recruiting classes that were done in the NIL era. We're moving on to the next evolution at some point. Is that athletes get direct pay from schools as employees in some way? Is it a revenue sharing split with athletes? So that is going to change college sports, right? Because every school is not going to pay directly pay their athletes. They're not going to have enough money to pay their athletes. Their presidents and academia people aren't going to want to do this. So that's going to change. And there probably is eventually going to be some kind of separation of the teams who will do it and do it at a high level and the teams who won't. But can you see uh, an NFL model here where, let's not kid anybody, these are the best teams. They're going to be in. Uh, they'll schedule each other. You'll be in a, a division with these schools and uh, each year you'll be playing another division in another conference. I mean, it just yeah. feels like that's where we're headed, where there's the haves and the have-nots. Sure. And, and the athlete compensation issue, I think, will uh, is expediting that. Yeah. You know, I think we're going to get to a semi-professional, if we're not already, at a semi-professional model. What's happening and what has been happening just at an expedited rate lately is a consolidation of the biggest brands in, in college football, right? They've, they've been consolidated all but for about four or five of them. They've been consolidated into two leagues, the Big Ten and the SEC. And there's four or five of them still out there, right, that are trying to get in to the Big Ten and SEC, trying to get in the club, because I think most would say that those two leagues are going to consolidate all the big brands and kind of do their own thing eventually down the line. And they're going to be able to pay right? They're athletes more. And that's going to be the gap. The gap that's already there, right, Dan, is just going to widen. Uh, you went in on our Notre Dame Big Ten bet. Five years from now, Notre Dame will be dot, 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 independent or Big Ten or other? Independent. Independent. I I, uh, I just actually spent some time at Notre Dame last week. And uh, man, they, they are uh, they love their independence, right? And, and every time you talk to somebody at Notre Dame, they they discuss and talk about their independence and how they like to be different and they like to be independent. They just got a new athletic director, uh, uh, or they're transitioning from Jack Swarbrick to the to the new ath uh, athletic director. And I, I don't I don't think that mentality is going to change. Uh, so in five years, I would say they will remain independent now in 10 years or 15 years when we get to the point and where there there this is this more professional model then do they have to get in in some way and, and lose the independence maybe so yeah that's what i think but with the playoff spots uh they can stay on the outside and build up enough victories they're notre dame that they'll qualify for a, a playoff spot but uh it just feels like you know, they're the last holdout here of would they join? Why would they join? Would they join the Big Ten? Um, and, and it just feels like it's inevitable, even though you're right. They love being Notre Dame, standalone Notre Dame. 
Well, and it's it's all you know, it's all about money, right? All this we're talking about is about money. If Notre Dame can't and they're renegotiating soon their new their their TV deal with with NBC, and uh, if they can't get enough money comparable to those Big Ten schools and SEC schools, so somewhere in the distribution annual distribution of sixty to eighty million dollars a year, if they can't get that, then right. That's what changes minds is is money. The thing is, I think they're probably going to get it. Ross, great job. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yep, thank you. That's uh, Ross Dellinger, uh, Yahoo Sports senior college football writer. Paulie keeps saying, "Yeah, Notre Dame, they're going to be, they're going to join the Big Ten in five years." I'm like, maybe, maybe. It's just things happen, and then they happen so quickly. Nothing happens, and then all of a sudden, boom, it does. And then you go, wait, where'd that come from? Well, it's been in the works for a long time. It's not like UCLA, USC. It's like, uh, I don't know. What are you thinking? I don't know. Want to join the Big Ten? Sure. All right, let's go. Yeah, Seton. Sometimes there are things that are right in front of you that just make so much sense that it's like, well, at least from our perspective, maybe not from Notre Dame's perspective, but you just wonder what the holdup is. It feels natural. It feels like the obvious thing to do. Well, if money is not the issue, then you you can hold out. You, they, these other schools are looking at, you know, we're not going to make any money in the Pac-12. Well, we want to make that money so we can have a trickle down so our other athletic programs can exist. Notre Dame is in a better position there. Don't need to. And depending on what MDC is going to pay them, or does somebody else come in and say, hey, no matter what their number is, we're going to go bigger than you. Uh, Tony in L.A. Hey, Tony, what's on your mind today? Hey, Dan, you know, this Pac-12 has always been a glorified junior college conference, <laughs> and now the academic schools want to dump the non-academic schools. Yeah. Because a lot of these schools, you don't even need a high school diploma to go to. It's open enrollment, and these academic schools don't even want the students and alumni to come to their stadium and be on their campus and play games against them. They don't want to be around them anymore. And and that's what's going to happen because all these, whenever on the West Coast, if it says state, that is basically a glorified junior college. It, it's nothing. It, people sign a letter of intent to go to a state school. Like if it, if you were a non-athlete, you would be embarrassed to, to brag that you're going to a state school. All right. Well, thank you, Tony. Yeah, I don't know what the future is of the Pac-12 of trying to keep everybody in. If I'm if I'm Oregon right now, I have to look at myself as bigger than any other school in the Pac-12. Like I have a brand here, and that brand, granted, it's about our uniforms, um, but still, you have a brand. Now, are you a viable option for the Big Ten? I mean, the Big Ten went with Nebraska, uh, that hasn't paid off, or Rutgers, that hasn't paid off, Maryland, that hasn't paid off. So they've made some mistakes now. Can the Big Ten eliminate any schools? Or do they have to keep everybody? Relegation. Yes. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be great. But but if I'm Oregon, I'd certainly be open for business there. Or Washington. Those are the two. Now, maybe Stanford, but Stanford's fallen off uh, in the last couple of years here. And I don't know, you know, what Stanford. They may want to be independent, standalone. I don't know if Cal, what they want to do. But I think it comes down to Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. If they decide to go to the Big 12, there won't be a Pac-12. Let's see. Austin in Phoenix. Hey, Austin, what's on your mind? Morning, Dan. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. 
you kind of just hit the nail on the head where I was going to call about, um, you know, the recent success, uh, you know, with the college playoff with Oregon and, and Washington. Just kind of curious why they're still there and why they haven't made a move or uh, been a little bit more aggressive to try to pull teams in to make the Pac-12 a better conference. Well, I think I think that's uh, maybe they're in the on-deck circle of uh, trying to make that decision. But it's almost like they're sort of afraid to make a move. Feels like the commissioner was afraid to make him like, ah, I don't know what to do here. Uh, and then it's too late to make a move. And then all of a sudden you're trying to kind of uh, repair the floodgates here. You don't want these other schools to bail because if they bail, then Apple is going to go, uh, wait a minute. And maybe there's language there that says you have to have X number of schools in the Pac-12. You're not going to televise Pac-12 football with six schools moving forward without USC, UCLA. And then if Oregon would leave or Arizona, Arizona State, Utah leave, man, you're depleted. And people aren't. Now you're going to make people find a product that they don't really want to see. How many games do you stumble into? I do a ton on Saturday night. It'd be just going through the, you know, through the uh, TV guide. It's like, uh, oh, I'll watch that. Oh, Colorado State's playing. It's there for me. I'll watch it. I wouldn't seek it out. That's what you want. You want people who will do drive-bys. Oh, you look at it in the rundown. You go, oh, all right, let me see BYU. Are they any good this year? That ain't happening with uh, Pac-12. Paul in Iowa. Hi, Paul. What's on your mind? Hey, Dan. Well, the Pac-12 canary is dead in the coal mine. <laughs> I think it's over. I got two points for you. First off, based on what you were just talking about with Ross, uh, what about Oregon being independent? They have the money, the national brand, and the infrastructure. Phil Knight will pay for anything. Why don't they make everybody come to them and say, we own this corner of the nation? It's not a bad idea, Paul. Um, you know, having that endowment, having money, and, and it, that it's not the you know mitigating factor of this is why we have to or this is why we're not. Pac-12 is not going to have money unless... Apple says we're going to give you more than enough to attract more schools. They can. Are they going to? Mike in Ohio. Hi, Mike. What's on your mind today? Mr. Patrick, it is an honor and a privilege to be talking to you. I have listened and watched you for years, even at the mothership when he was on the radio with Dibble and Phil the Show Killer. That's how long you've been a part of my radio listening. Uh, I have one request. And it's a small one. Today's my birthday. Should I have the Mount Rushmore of announcers tell me happy birthday today? All right. Well, I'm going to have to get a hold of Jim Rome and Colin Cowherd and anybody else that's on that Mount Rushmore. Bob Costas. Bob, Bob Costas, uh, Mad Dog uh, Russo. That's my Mad Dog Russo. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's Mike's birthday. Todd, go ahead. Okay, okay here we birthday. go. Yeah. Happy birthday! 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 Mike, happy birthday! And and that's it. And that's how we we do it for Mike in Ohio. He's been with us for a long, long time. By the way, uh, my book, The Occasionally Accurate Annals of Football, hits uh, shelves on September fifth. That day, I'll be in Madison, Connecticut, at the uh, R.J. Julia Booksellers. I'm signing copies. All, all the information on how to get tickets will be in the newsletter and our social media channels. Also, uh, 
September, is it 9th that I'm in Cincinnati? It's a Saturday night? Sure. I think. Is September 9th a Saturday? I'm going to be uh, downtown Cincinnati signing books. Danny Patrick signing copies. September 9th, Cincinnati. Thanks, Tom. That was an old SNL skit. Was? That was an old Saturday Night Live skit I was doing. Oh, I know you like when I go back to things from like 30 years ago. Oh, that Rob Schneider. Yeah, the office guy. By the way, you send me TikTok videos. Can't open it. I can't open TikTok. So for the last couple of years, you keep sending. But TikTok. I don't have a username or password or anything on TikTok. But I'm able to open them. I know, I don't know why I, I'm able to play I can't them. open them. But you keep sending, I do. and you notice I never respond I know. because I, I can't. Frustrating because there's some good stuff that I send you. Yes, appropriate. Yes, Paul. I'd advise you to keep not opening things that Todd sends you. As, as, a, mm. as a decision. For a lot of them are like clever, funny, silly stuff or ways to look at the world. It's not like inappropriate things. Todd will always send. It'll be, uh, you know, comedians. There's always, you know, some bit that he saw. Like Bill Murray doing Star Wars, if they should bar wars. Remember he did that whole little lounge act thing? I happened to come across that, so I shared that with you. But you can't open it. Okay. Uh, let's take a break. We'll get to more phone calls coming up. Tony Dungy is going to join us the final hour of the program. We'll clean it up here on our end. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hi, this is Jay Glazer, and you may know me from the world of football or fighting or even shows like hbo's ballers what you don't know is for my entire life i have lived in something i refer to as the gray depression anxiety so now i'm coming out with a new podcast unbreakable a mental health podcast with jay glazer where each week while we talk about mental health i hope to describe it give it words listen to unbreakable with jay glazer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Watch the Hall of Fame game tomorrow night. It'll be on NBC and Peacock. They start at uh, 7 Eastern. Tony Dungy will be part of the festivities. The Hall of Famer joining us from Canton, Ohio. Tony, looking good. How you Thank doing? Thank you, Dan. Long time no see. Uh, do you have a Colts jacket on there? What, uh, any uh, any no, this teams? this is uh, Hall of Fame. Oh, Hall of Fame. okay. <laughs> and now is your gold jacket there? It is. Yes, I brought it this year. <laughs> oh, okay. It's not like a, the Masters where you leave your green jacket there. You don't. Oh leave... no, no. You get to keep it, take it around, and a lot of people want you to wear it to different events, and it's uh, pretty cool. Pretty how cool. often? How often do you wear it socially? Uh, probably four or five times a year, just uh, at events that people ask you to wear it or bring it. Uh, it's not something I just wear casually <laughs> day to day, but uh, a lot of people like to see it. Uh, Todd uh, uh, said that you were at the officiating meeting. Uh, so yes. what, 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 what's the uh, point of emphasis for officials this upcoming season? Uh, a lot of player safety, obviously, uh, just looking at ways to make the game safer. A lot of discussion on the kickoff. Kickoff still the most dangerous play percentage-wise in football. Uh, there's a lot of pushback from the special teams coaches on fair catching in the field of play. But I think the competition committee, again, just trying to see how they can make the game safer. But they wear these helmets, these protective shells in practice. If they know that helps protect the players, <laughs> then why don't, they do, why don't they make a helmet so they can wear that in the game, Tony? You're reading my mind. That was a question I asked the NFL office. They showed us this data that players wore these shells in practice, reduced concussions 22% in practice. If I'm a player... I would say, if that's true, let me wear it in the game. And they should be allowed to wear it in the game. I don't know if that's coming, but uh, that was the exact question I asked. Yeah, I, I watch it, and it looks odd, but I think anything, you know, sometimes we'll see things and go, oh, my gosh, that's odd. I'm sure that the guys who played with, uh, you know, helmets with no face mask looked at guys wearing a face mask and go, boy, that looks weird. And then all of a sudden, hockey players had to wear a helmet or yes. running backs were wearing shields on, you know, all these things that seem like they're strange. Yeah. Can, can they design a helmet that you could wear the helmet and it's going to, you know, further ensure safety? Absolutely. And, and that's what we should be after. And yes, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look as cool. But if I'm a 25-year-old player and I'm going to play 10 years and I'm going to take 200 hits to the head during the course of my career, and this is going to give me uh, a 50% less chance to have a concussion, I would do it. Uh, help me understand the coaching community. Sean Payton has his comments about Nathaniel Hackett. 
and uh, Hackett, of course, now with the Jets, and Sean taking over in Denver. What what do you think the strategy was, if there was, with Sean to say this? Well, I think the strategy was I'm going to prop up my team. I'm going to build up my guys that are here. You weren't as bad as people thought last year. I'm behind you. Uh, I'm with you. And you, we all do that in private. I was very surprised that Sean took it public. Hey, when I went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1996, Warren Sapp was his rookie year being taken out on third down. John Lynch was a backup linebacker and Derek Brooks was playing over the tight end, getting swallowed by 250 pound tight ends. I told those guys, hey, we've got a different system. Now you guys will fit this like a glove. You should be multi year pro bowlers. But I didn't go out and say, Oh, th- these guys were used wrongly. This was poor coaching. No. I mean, you say that to your players and you build them up, but there's a certain, respect for each other in the game that you don't say that publicly. Well, it's like, remember when you were doing football night in America and we were, (laughs) we were showing clips of Rex Ryan at hard knocks and you came out and said that he could never coach on your staff or be part of your staff. And that almost felt like it broke the code that you were talking out of school about another coach, even though you weren't coaching anymore. Right. And that's what, I think that's the difference. And Sean said, well, I had my Fox hat on. Well, you, you aren't working for Fox now. And I, I got paid to say things like that. I still get paid to give my opinion. And that's tough. You know, you, you don't always want to do that, but you have to be on. And you're the best at it because you had asked me questions. You know I'm not going to lie to you. So <laughs> you asked me questions to put me on the spot. But that's my job at that point. But I, I, I would – and certainly answered differently if I was coaching as opposed to broadcasting. How do you think hard knocks impacts the Jets? Uh, I, I think they've got enough professionals that they, you know, they get around it. I would have never wanted to be on hard knocks. I, I think anytime you introduce the cameras, it brings another element to the game that you really don't want, another distraction. You have to be careful about what you say. Your quarterbacks have to be careful about what they talk about, all those things. So, but I, I think the Jets are approaching this really well and professionally, and they're they're going to be okay. I, I just, to me, it was a a worry that I never wanted in training camp. Talking to Tony Dungy, Hall of Fame head coach. We had Steve Young on last week, and he said that this would have been his era. Like this style of football would have been great for Steve Young because he would have been encouraged to run and he was also a great passer but he said something that really stood out he said the days of dan marino and peyton manning are done at that position i I think he's right and i remember when i was a young coach and i would do college clinics and talk about all these defenses that we ran and the college coaches would always well what if the quarterback runs what do you do And I have to say, we don't worry about that because no one runs. Well, now all of a sudden you bring that element into it and you get a Patrick Mahomes that you defend everything right. John Elway was the first one. He gave me headaches that way you defend everything. He moves around for 10 seconds, hits a guy down the field or runs for 20 yards and it breaks down your whole defense. Well, now you've got to deal with these quarterbacks that run. There's restricts what you can play defensively. It helps the receivers. It helps everything. And, that mobile quarterback has an advantage, and coaches understand that now. So they're not telling the guy, oh, Fran Tarkin, stay in the pocket, don't scramble. They're saying, oh, no, this is an advantage yeah. now. 
Well, could you see a team featuring a running game and de-emphasizing throwing the ball 30 times? No, I, I think you're beyond that. Just with the way the rules are, it's so easy to throw now, and you're getting these great receivers. You're getting quarterbacks who have thrown the ball thousands of times in college, uh, and so you've got to utilize that. And it is the way to strike quickly. Now, you've got to have a running game. You look at all these teams that have won the Super Bowls the last 15 years, you've got to be able to run. But throwing the ball, scoring points, that's the way the league is set up now. If I said you could put one player in the Hall of Fame who's not in the Hall of Fame, who would it be? Wow. There, there's a, a lot of guys. Uh, this senior class this year that's going in, I'm, I'm really happy for some of those guys. Uh, Albert Lewis is – I'm, I'm kind of on that bandwagon. I coached Albert Lewis for three years. Uh, he was incredible. And um, – he doesn't get the credit because we didn't win a bunch of Super Bowls. We didn't have the – we played in a small market. But he was probably the best one-on-one -on -one cover guy I've ever been around. If you were coaching Peyton and going against Darrell Revis, do you have to tell him we're not going in that direction? Did you not ever do necessarily. that? No, there's certain things. And, and he would do it. I mean, he'd stay away from – if he had a better matchup, somewhere else he'd go there i can remember playing uh, against champ bailey and <laughs> reggie wayne catches 12 balls for 200 and something yards we only threw two balls to marvin that week because we had a successful matchup but now if they're going to tip everything over away from bailey or away from revis and say we're just going to leave him one-on-one -on -one, then then you've got to take some shots over there but um it, it it really is where do you have the best chance to succeed? And most of the time with Revis, it's with going after the other guy. Yeah, but I I don't think Peyton would admit that he would have stayed away from Darrell. Like, he wouldn't say that publicly, do you think? No, he would just say, we had better options. <laughs> and that's what he said. We, we threw 15 balls at Rock Alexander and made 250 yards. I don't need to throw a champ, Bailey. But now, if you help Alexander, and you tip the coverage over there, and you make me throw it, Bailey, we've got some things that we can do. And that, that's the way Peyton would approach it. But he would be smart, and he would just pick his spots. When you coached Peyton, were you faster than Peyton? Um, probably the first part of my career, <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you ran Not at the end, but at the beginning. Oh, no. Peyton at the end against you at the end? 40-yard dash? Well... Yes, and, and, and I got there in 2002. I might have been able to get in by 2007 <laughs> or 2008. I could. <laughs> uh, what, is, what is the biggest concern or team looking at this year of just, uh, you know, we've talked about Buffalo, that window here. They've, they've lost some starters. It feels like it's now to win. Uh, the Bengals. Uh, are they going to be able to keep all those receivers? Is that window now? Kansas City, we know that window is now. Philadelphia is in that window. Is Dallas in that window? The Niners in that window. It feels like you got seven or eight teams. Now we should be thinking about the Super Bowl. Yeah, you, you do. And I heard you ask the question in the previous, uh, do you talk about it? Yes, you talk about it. That's our goal, and we want to win it. You mentioned Cincinnati. They still got Joe Burrow on that first contract. That's when you got to strike. You look at all these quarterbacks, the Russell Wilsons, uh, you know, you, you win when you've got that great quarterback on his first contract. Now when you have to pay him, you're going to start losing players. 
and that's going to make it more difficult. So, yeah, I, I think Cincinnati is a team that I think needs to strike. When's the last time you asked uh, a Hall of Famer for an autograph? Um, I got Earl Campbell a couple of years ago for my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law just loves <laughs> Earl. And so, hey, Earl, I don't like to do this, but <laughs> I, I, I need you. Um, How's Earl and, doing? And he's last time I saw him last year, he had the walker and that, that's tough to see. It really is. But, uh, he was, he was gracious and, and still funny and, and doing well. Yeah. I, I saw him years ago and, and he was in a wheelchair and yeah, you know, you just look like, you know, that's why we talk about running backs getting paid. I mean, nobody takes more of a beating than they do, but, uh, I, I just can't imagine how anybody changes anything with this. If let's say you're, you're coaching Josh Jacobs, what would you say to Josh Jacobs? You have to play ball and you have to strike while the iron's hot and you get as much as you can get. I I talked about this on social media the other day. Uh, Mike Florio made a comment about it. It's not new Uh, to the, our Super Bowl year. Edron James was going to be a free agent. He had come back from knee surgery, had a 1,500-yard year for us in 2005, best running back that I've been around in terms of doing everything, running, running inside, outside, catching the ball, pass protection, and a phenomenal teammate. Bill Polian says we either have to sign Edgerin before he gets to free agency because once he gets on the market, we're not going to afford him. We'll have to get him at a deal less than he should deserve, or we can – let him go. It's going to be a great year for running backs. We'll get Maurice Jones, Drew, Joseph Adai, or Lawrence Maroney for much less money, and then we'll take that extra money and we'll re-sign Dwight Freeney, Dallas Clark, and Reggie Wayne. Wow. Well, that was a tough deal, and Edron was the heart and soul of our team. After I slept on it for three or four days and talked with Jim Earth, you know, we have to do that. So we went to Edron. Hey, we're going to let you go. He got paid big money by Arizona. But we had another running back come in, not Edron James, but played well enough for us to go to the Super Bowl and then stayed as a Super Bowl contender for a number of years just because you use your money wisely. And, and that's what you have to do, and that's what I tell Josh Jacobs. Hey, you you got to play, and it's not fair, but that's life. Good to talk to you, and uh, have fun there in Canton. Hopefully it's not All right. too hot with the Hall of Fame induction ceremonies. It's, yeah, it's, it's in the afternoon again. Rondé Barber, my, one of my former players, is going in, so looking forward to it. Hey, great to talk to you, Tony. Thank you. Thanks, DP. Yep. Tony Dungy, Hall of Famer, joining us from uh, Canton, Ohio. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.